Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with episode number 143 of The Yacking Show. This is the show where we awaken you to new perspectives for the changing world we are living in, and it's certainly changing. As always, we have interesting guests, but Kathleen does the job of interest introducing guests so much better than me that I'm going to hand over to her. A quick plug for her, though, she wears another hat, and she is able to solve your IT recruiting and development needs if you have problems in that area. Give her a shot. So that's enough for me. So hi, Kathleen. How are you doing today? Hi, Peter. Great. Thank you. And thank you for that intro. And thank you all so very much for tuning into our show. We so appreciate you and we love reading your comments. So please keep those coming. And if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. And as Peter mentioned, we have another special guest with us today. His name is Jeremy Ness. Jeremy, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Now, Jeremy, you're the Director of Publishing Services for Seaway uh, Printing. For our audience, can you give us a little bit about your background and how you came to embark in a career in the printing industry? Sure. Well, I was going to be a graphic designer when I grew up. Um, so interestingly, our college didn't have a graphic design major. So I have a photography major with a graphic design minor. Uh, when I got out into the design world, um, I went immediately to Mead Paper, where I ran a closed circuit TV system that ran off of a, a gigantic Macintosh system. And I went from there to work at a small boutique graphic design shop in Green Bay and realized that I was never going to be great at it. You know, like when you're a comedian, you better be funny every night mm -hmm. on stage. And I wasn't funny every night on stage. So I went into pre-press production when there was such a thing. Spent my days chained to a desk in the dark on the fastest Macintosh at the time. And basically, I need files to be ripped and trapped so that we could make match prints back when there was such a thing. But I went from there to work as a um, account manager at a graphic design firm. And then one of my clients hired me to be their sales and marketing director. And then I was buying printing from Seaway Printing at the time. And their VP of sales contacted me and said, you should just come sell printing for me. So, <laughs> so he, he chased me around for two years and I finally went over to the dark side and uh, <laughs> first commission sales job. So here I am, printing chose me. Right. Interesting. <laughs> oh. Interesting. Yeah. So that, that tells us uh, how you got to Seaway Printing. And for our audience, Seaway Printing is 135 years old. So, wow, the business must have changed a lot over that period. I mean, that, that's several lifetimes, several generations, right? Right. So Seaway, uh, yeah, started in 1884, which... You know, if you're paying attention, that's before Harley Davidson had a motorcycle or the Wright Brothers mm -hmm. flew a plane. I that's always right. tell people those two things because it puts it in perspective. I mean, we're talking about, you know, dirt streets and rundown buildings and, yeah. you know, all kinds of old school stuff. But Seaway uh, started out as a short run book manufacturer uh, in Green Bay, making basically uh, ledger books for businesses and banks and things like mm -hmm. that. Right. And then, over the time, it basically turned into, uh, you know, your basic business commercial type printer where they would take on anything. Um, stationery, yes. Business cards, yes. Envelopes, you betcha. Folders, whatever, whatever you have, we'll print that. 
Wow. Uh, the biggest change came in 1995 when our current owners purchased Seaway. It was going up for sale. The other owner was retiring. Um, they had a history of digital printing and especially um, our owner, Kevin, he used to work for Xerox. Mm -hmm. So in 1995, Seaway Printing was the first company in our area to have digital printing. And I remember them coming around saying, oh, look, digital printing. You don't have to print a thousand or five thousand anymore. You can print one or five or ten. And, um, um, you know, that's that's not saying a lot. 1995, if you were in a big city, Chicago or, you know, Milwaukee or maybe on the East Coast or whatnot. But in Green Bay, that was a big deal. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they um, they quickly took on some POD book printing business, decided they liked that business. And it just kind of took off. I mean, they, they hired a, a great sales guy that hired me and we went out and pounded the street and turned us into what we are right now today. So, wow, that's, that's quite amazing. <laughs> I, I got to throw in a quick interjection that um, I live most of my life in Africa. And when I was in the corporate world, the first ever motivational movie that was shown, and I think that was in the days of probably VHS was Vince Lombardi and the Green Bay Packers. And I thought, Green Bay, where's that? And I actually looked it up and I remember atlases, those big books with maps to them. Yeah, this was yeah. way before computer days. Uh, so Green Bay has always stuck in my mind from that movie, which would have been in the early 80s when I saw that, right? So I did know where Green Bay was and I knew what they were famous for before I knew about Seaway Print. So that's enough for me. Kathleen, back to you. <laughs> So, so, Jeremy, my understanding is your company specializes in short-run books, magazines, and booklet printing. Why specifically those items? Well, it, it's a two-part question. So why books, booklets, manuals, and publications, and why short-run? So short-run is basically whether your short-run or long-run is determined by your equipment size. If you're a long-run printer, you're running webs, big, gigantic webs is, you know, as big as some factories, but we're short run. We're running all sheet fed presses. It's just where we fit in mm -hmm. space. Now, how did we arrive at uh, books, booklets, magazines, manuals, and other publications? It's just basically the message that we decided to take to the marketplace in 05. You know, I mentioned the VP of sales mm -hmm. that hired me. The two of us sat down and said, what are we really good at? I mean, we really didn't have any marketing materials that they gave us and said, take these to the masses. We just sat down and said, what are we really, really good at? And what we found is we were really good at short run books. We were really good at short run magazines. We were really good at short run catalogs and short run journals and short run calendars and other things that all kind of looked the same. And we also isolated our two main markets, which were publishers and associations that publish. And mm -hmm. it, it's no coincidence that we're four hours north of Chicago, which is the, the second largest concentration of professional and trade associations in the lower 48. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's how we wound up where we're at. We, we, you know, we, we took the message to the streets, basically told people the truth, which is we're really good at these things for these types of people. And we told those people that message and we proved it. And here we are. 
Wow. So I'm going to jump in and endorse exactly what you said. And I'll give myself a plug because I first met Jeremy uh, when Jeremy's company, Seaway Printing, printed my book, um, which you could get from contact to me on the website. However, I, I've experienced your, your excellent customer service firsthand through this whole process of getting my book printed by you guys. It seems to be part of your company culture. Um, when I compared the reception, reaction, and uh, communications I got from several other printers and other businesses. So how do you do that? How do you get it so entrenched in your culture that it just seems natural from, from the customer's point of view? Well, that's a, that's a great question. And I'll tell you that when you first reached out to me it was probably at the worst time in history to try to contact a printer. I mean, <laughs> all, all the publication printers are absolutely covered up with jobs because the COVID light switch got turned on. Everyone decided, oh, we should go back to work. You know, meanwhile, we never stopped working, but a lot of people came out of the woodwork and said, here's this job I was going to run last year. And here's that thing I always do. And so the, the snowball started rolling downhill and the demand on press time is unprecedented right now. In the middle of that, we all face a severe shortage of paper. So you reached out to me at the worst time in history. And I, you know, um, I, I gave you a turn time that, you know, a year ago would have seemed ridiculous, but uh, you seemed okay with it based on what you heard from other places. And um, you worked with us despite, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say things went 100% perfect as they normally would in a normal time. I feel like we could, we could have done a lot better, uh, but you were obviously happy. And it's because um, I'll tell you that printing is very hard. <laughs> it's a very hard business and mm -hmm. it's very fast paced. And um, I always tell people, it's not like we're saving lives here. We're not doing heart surgery, but for some reason, our industry kind of treats it like every book project is being hauled into the book emergency room on a gurney, <laughs> and everyone is converging on this thing like it's got to save the life of this book project. I mean, that's right. the mentality in our industry, and I don't know where that started, but it is hard, and there are a ton of little tiny details that you have to deal with on every single project, so I'll tell you that if you're not cut off for it in the customer service area, you're going to crash and burn, mm -hmm. you know? And we, so we have a lot of people that, that flame out really. And um, we are so fortunate to be left with this group of people that, you know, many have a print background, but some don't because we started at some point hiring based on personality. Mm -hmm. and so we have this super resilient team that, um, you know, it's just kind of, they sifted out, they stood the test of time. And th these particular people realize what it takes to, to give someone excellent customer service. And that's just kind of how it happens. So, um, in, in every category of customer service, whether it's A, B, C, or D, there's pluses and minuses. And I, you know, we always try to be an A, I always strive for A pluses and, um, it, it's hard work. And, 
you know, like I say, you contact contacted us at the worst time in history to try to print a short run book, and we still managed to pull out an A from Peter Absolutely. Wright. <laughs> Absolutely. And I've got to add to that, that there's two things that stand out in my mind of, of the service you gave me. The first one was when I sent you the photograph for the cover, you immediately came back and said, that's okay, but we, we think it could be a better resolution. Here's what it will look like. And you actually sent me a hard copy by courier before you went ahead and printed that. And I said, no, I'm, I'm good with that. That was point number one. And point number two was you said, we're going to pack them in cartons of whatever size. And when you found out I was shipping them by a certain shipper, you said, well, that's not convenient for them. And without doing saying anything or saying, can we do it? You just repack them into smaller cartons to make it easier for everyone in the, the supply chain thereafter to handle them. And I, I thought that was quite incredible compared to what most companies do. They say, that's why we do it, like it or lump it sort of thing. So those two things really, really, I, I was very impressed with. Well, that's excellent. Yeah, you, Kathleen, I talk too much. You take over. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I am curious about something, though, Jeremy. Is there still a place for a book printer when so many authors have moved to publishing ebooks for sale online? I would say that that question has been popping up since uh, 2008. You know, is I mean, that's when the industry. So little joke is print yeah. dead and um, I can tell you that when the rest of the world thought print is dead and people are moving to ebooks and um, we as a company decided that we would not participate in either we would not participate in the economic downturn nor would we participate in the ebook revolution and we stayed the course and have continued to grow and grow and grow every single year. So I'll tell you that personally, you're never gonna catch me curling up on the couch with a blanket and my dog um, with a hot cup of cocoa and my Kindle <laughs> after work, after staring at a computer all day. And I, I believe that I'm not alone. Digital fatigue mm -hmm. is a real thing. And we all spend so much time on devices. And um, I, I think I, can consider myself a self-proclaimed old fart now because I'm 50. But, uh, <laughs> there's no way you're going to get me to sit on the couch and read a book digitally, but I do read books. And um, I would say that um, the two are not exclusive of each other either. You know, there mm -hmm. are times where I can see the convenience of a electronic book reader of some sort and the book. Now me, I'm, I'm all print all the time you know, regardless of what it is. And uh, some people are the opposite. And I would say that there, if you looked at the statistics and I, you know, statistics lie and it's kind of contradicting, but I've been following it very closely. And I'll tell you that the, when eBooks really spiked up, when they got really hot, you know, of course I looked around and was concerned. I was concerned. Sure. But um, those numbers, kind of leveled out. And I would say now, interestingly, there's a couple generations of folks younger than me that are looking to the, the older technology because they are experiencing the same fatigue that we all are. You know, they're mm -hmm. the same as vinyl records are cool. 
Um, Chuck Taylors are cool. <laughs> yeah. Books and magazines and other printed things are, are cool for some of the same reasons. So I would say that I've looked at statistics that show that, hey, let books are declining, but I think reading is declining mm -hmm. and um, books are still super viable. And if there was another plant just like ours that I could wish into existence tomorrow, I would have that full of book printing too. So as an indicator, I'll, I'll say that books are here to stay. I'll make I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> That's good to hear. Yes. And I, 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 I agree. I, I have a, uh, an e-reader. I find it really convenient because it's got a few books on it. So if I'm going to be waiting in a doctor's waiting room, which of course we can't do at the moment with this virus thing, but if, if I'm likely to be delayed somewhere, it's so much easier to take that than a, than a big heavy book. However, when I'm reading at home, whether it's nonfiction or fiction, I'd far rather have the hard copy that I can write in and scribble in and make notes in and uh, underline. Everyone tells me that, yeah, you can bookmark on the Kindle. I said, yeah, sure, but I can't flip it like this, uh, like this and look forward at the marks of it. So I agree. They've, okay. they've got their place, but they, I know where my preference is. So, you know, what advice could you give for a first-time author who, wants to self-publish, you know, first of all, when should they start talking to you and, and how should they pick a printer to work with? I would say that my first advice to someone looking to self-publish is to really consider if they want to self-publish. I mean, that's really the first question. Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is that, is that a good idea? And people need a plan. You know, there's a lot of people that think, oh, I should write a book. Everyone's got a book in them, right? I, I, I could write a book. But, um, and some people just start writing and just make it happen. Uh, my advice would be to have a plan. Mm -hmm. And I, I mm -hmm. find a lot of people, they get to the end of writing a book and they're like, well, now what do I do? They, they have really no clue. So, I mean, there are options. You can go it alone. You know, I, I don't know if you went it alone. I mean, your book turned out great. You probably yep. went alone, right? Uh, but there are a lot of folks like you that get to the end and they say, well, now what do I do? How do I edit this thing? And they mm -hmm. try talking to their neighbor and their cousin and their friend and their nephew to try to edit this book down. And book editing is a whole thing, you know. And um, oftentimes I refer people to small publishers that work with self-publishers and they help them get the job done. They might they might edit your book. They might format the book in something that as a printer, I can actually print from. Mm -hmm. They might help you get a, a expertly designed cover. I mean, we all hear that the cover is the most important thing to grab someone's attention to get them to buy that book. But oftentimes it's kind of the thing they do last. Like, yep. oh yeah, I need a book cover. <laughs> um, another thing is they very often give no thought to what am I going to do with this thing? Am I going to, how am I going to distribute it? Am I going to sell it? Who's going to sell it? And um, how, how am I going to promote it? And that's oftentimes where a small publisher can step in and save the day because sure. you can spend five grand printing a bunch of books, whether they're good books or bad books. And I think we can all agree that it's better spent on good books yes. that are promoted and that books that actually sell if you have something to say. So, um, I would say up until six months or eight or nine or 10 months ago, you can kind of call me at the last minute. 
you know, you know, because if you gave me files today, I could have had the book done in five or 10 days, six or eight months ago. But mm -hmm. now, given all this demand for press time and all this paper shortage thing, um, you know, it's going to take me about a month to, to print a short run book these days. So you can still kind of wait to the last minute. But I always tell people, what harm does it do to reach out ahead of time? Make Absolutely. that part of your plan. And Absolutely. you might not have an exact figure for me and exactly what that thing is going to cost in six or eight months, but at least you'll have a rough idea. Uh, sure. It'll help you put a cover price on it. it you know, um, I mean, th those are the main things is have a plan, decide if you really want to self-publish. Is that the right thing? I mean, oftentimes people that are self-publishing books are, are guys like you. They've got a show. They do consulting. They do speaking, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I bump into folks like that all the time where, well, I do speaking engagements. So while I'm at the show, I can sell my book to the audience. They're all sitting right there. Yep. Or they can use that book as a, almost like a lost leader. When they're trying to book the gig, if their price is a little too high, rather than cut their speaking fee, they'll say, well, I'll tell you what, I'll just throw in a book for everybody that shows up. Boom, done. Yep. I mean, yep. so um, hmm. just have a plan. I, you know, <coughs> you can wait to talk to me till the end if you want, but um, you know, just make me part of your plan. Make the printing and distribution and promotion all that part of your plan. That's, that's what I would tell people. Good advice. Yes. Good advice. Yeah. So, so Jeremy, tell our audience a little bit about your other interests. So, my understanding is you like kayaking, playing the ukulele. You 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 do some volunteering with the German Shepherd Rescue. And I have to tell you, when Peter and I were going over some of these questions this morning, it really sparked another discussion about dogs uh, because we both love dogs and I had a German shepherd as a, as a kid. And, uh, Oh, I'd love to hear more about that. Well, I had, my dad had German shepherds when I was growing up as well. And, you know, I was in college and, um, you know, I, I did have a dog for a while that I kind of stuck with my parents and went off and did other college kid stuff you know, like many of us have done in the past, but once I got to be a respectable, upstanding adult in the world, I uh, volunteered some time at a local Wisconsin, I think they were called Wisconsin German Shepherd Rescue. They were just north of Appleton and I just went down there and walked dogs, hung out with dogs, picked up dog poop. You know, I just helped out you can mm -hmm. probably guess what I mean. I wound up with a rescue shepherd, and then I quickly wound up with a second rescue shepherd. And um, so I, I led those dogs kind of, you know, down the road till they got old. And um, and then I went on after they passed away and got yet another one who turned out to be the greatest dog in the whole world. I call him. He was a rescue dog and um, great, great German shepherd. And actually. He passed away from cancer, so now I have a two and a half year old running around here today, actually. Um, so I don't volunteer at the rescue anymore, and it's for the best. I would just wind up with a <laughs> but I do have um, I do have a lot of outside interests, and I would kind of break those down into three things. I would tell you that I'm super interested in uh, working out, fitness. 
high intensity interval training, nutrition, and kind of hacking my body to be as healthy as I can. I mean, I have a pretty strong why there. You know, I, I, I don't want to get type 2 diabetes like my dad and get part of my foot cut off and wind up not being able to have fun in life. And, you know, I just, I'm really focused on quality of life as I get older. Um, another big chunk of my life is the outdoors. And that's everything from hiking, backpacking, camping, um, hunting out west, you know, with a bow and a, and a gun. Um, and kayaking is something I do all the time. Heck, I drag my family up north and we just hang out and sit out in nature. It's an undeniable part of who I am. And then um, I did start, I've always dabbled in instruments, but I, I have gotten into the ukulele a few years ago, and that's been kind of an in and out sort of thing. But um, I don't particularly, I'm not one of those people who has music on all the time. You know, those people mm -hmm. in your life and they're in a band and they've always played. Um, but I realize that as I get older, if I want to keep, I'm trying to keep my body healthy. So if I want to keep this thing healthy, I need to keep growing stuff up there, however that works. And I thought, wow, what a great way to do that to, than to pick up an instrument. Mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. That's really how I use the, the ukulele to uh, learn new things, grow my brain, stay healthy um, that way. And uh, it's been fun. And I mean, we're just scratching the surface on stuff Jeremy likes. It's uh, it's a long list of. <laughs> <laughs> it, it sounds good, and I and I I know what you're talking about. I love the outdoors. I love walk. I used to do a lot of running, marathon running, and then I, I overdid it, messed my knees up, and the, my doctor said, you know, the human body's not designed actually to run 50 miles in a day. So I think you should stick to shorter distances. And I started walking. Um, but when I got to my mid sixties, I needed something to, uh, get the brain going a little better. And I remembered when Kathleen's going to hear my music story again, but, but I'll keep it short, Kathleen. Um, when I was about 10 at school in Africa, an English teacher who was actually a Scottish lady, very fierce, who took us for singing and music. Cut a long story short, after the second lesson, she said, Peter Wright, you're absolutely useless. You will never play a musical instrument or, or sing a note. You know, schooling was harsh in where I came from. And that stuck with me for, for 45 years. And then when I needed a big goal and I couldn't run marathons anymore, I went out and bought a guitar. And then I started teaching myself to play. And then I took lessons. And I, I'm not good but I can play. And I have a thing like a ukulele. It's called a Merlin hanging up on the wall. It's a Canadian instrument that uh, I fiddle around with. So, and I, I really agree with you. If it, it, That learning to play music and carry a tune seems to get the brain going. And I, I do it for the same reason. I don't want my brain to get adult as yeah. I get older, you know? So anyway, that that's enough about me. But what I wanted to ask you is, you've had a lot of experience with authors. So based on that experience, Jeremy, as you said earlier, so many people want to write a book and they come up and say, oh, I need to write a book. I'd like to write a book. But I guess the percentage that a lot do write, but the percentage that get it into print, whether it's a bestseller or not, is very, very small. What's the difference? What's the key to going from I want to write a book to actually having a published book? Is there a, a key to that, do you think? Um, I think that what you're talking about, that percentage that does and the percentage that doesn't is, is no different than the people that make YouTube videos and the people that watch YouTube videos. Matter of fact, a friend of mine just the other day said, for the next decade, there's gonna be watchers and there's gonna be creators. 
don't be a watcher, be a creator. Mm-hmm. And I kind of related that instantly to the whole book writing process, because that's my thing is working with authors. And, you know, you can call it pretty much a hundred percent of the time when someone first, when they decide to reach out to me early and they tell me they're going to write a book. You, you can almost call it right there, whether they're actually going to, or they're, they're not going to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's, it's the people that, seem to have a well-thought plan. I guess it kind of goes back to an earlier question is the people that show up and you can tell they've actually thought through it, but those are the people mm-hmm. that are going to do it. And, you know, and some people start out thinking that they're going to make a bunch of money, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're going to make a bunch of money. Well, I don't know. Those people are typically the people that are not going to actually to finish. get the book publishing <clears throat> process. Uh, the people that say, look, I have something to say. I'm super interested in this and I'm going to do this thing and it might even cost me money, but I'm going to go ahead and write these. I'm going to write this book and I have a pretty good idea how I'm going to distribute it and promote it. But regardless, I'm doing this thing. I know that they're going to call me back in six months and say, I did it. It's done. Yeah. So again, it's a, it's a well thought out plan. And I don't know if there's a, a characteristic per se that I can put my finger on, but I can tell the people that, that will and the people that won't. That won't, right. right. <laughs> and it's not easy. Never mind the creative side. Just the, you know, just that little one of mine was many days. And I had to set a deadline of a thousand words a day or right for now, every morning from five o'clock five days a week for several months to, to get, I wrote a lot more than went into the book, but to get it done. And that's, that's hard for a lot of people. Yeah? Mm-hmm. It was hard for me too. Anyway, enough for me, Kathleen, back to well, you. We're running, we're running out of time. On, yes, we're running out of time. So Jeremy, how do people contact you? Well, people are always more than happy to give me a call, shoot me an email, or, you know, a lot of people track me down on LinkedIn these days. Okay. Um, a lot of people come to me the same way Peter came to me. They they know a guy that know a guy that that knows me, and they say, you know, who can help me with this thing? So a lot of it's referrals. But LinkedIn is a great way. Anyone can always call me or always email me. Or if they can't find me, they can always call Seaway Printing. Go to SeawayPrinting.com. They can call the main number and say, I want to talk to Jeremy Ness, and they'll get you connected. Excellent. Well, thank you we'll so put much. All We'll put that on there. Thank you very much, Jeremy. That was great. Great meeting you on the screen instead of just on the phone and talking to you. Thank you. Yes. yes. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Kathleen, for the opportunity. It's been great just to shoot the breeze a little bit. And um, what a great opportunity. You're welcome. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you all so very much again for tuning in. And we love reading your comments. So please keep those coming. And until next time, everyone, take care. Bye-bye.